In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. But everybody can see that moment where I just saw. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Incense Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Blaine. And today's podcast... We are going to call Emily, and I'm going to time you to see how quickly you can get into a conflict. Are you ready? <sighs> Hello? Uh, hi, Em? Yes? Uh, I was just calling to tell you that um, I bought you a smartphone, and you have to answer it now. <laughs> also, uh, I'm putting my foot down on uh, putting the kids in preschool, and I uh, bought a second car. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Is what she would not say. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's weird. Um, I like that it doesn't take much to know how to push just the right buttons on the people that we are the closest to. Because if you actually gave me like five seconds and a hundred dollars, I bet you I could, I could, I could manage to. Poke myself in the eye with a ring, 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 <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Hi, Sam. I'm not doing this. You have to do this. <laughs> no, no, I think Hi, this Sam. is great. It's your wife. Hi, <laughs> wife. I love you. Goodbye. Okay. Is that all you called for? <laughs> That's it. Okay, because um, I wanted to tell you that yes. I thought of some more ways to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, those things I've been looking at, they're on sale. Oh, perfect. You should do that. You should spend the money. I found that if I feed the kids this plant that costs a million dollars. You leave her out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Susie, you do a wonderful job. And she was literally just texting me about taking our son, who is now three, to his second soccer practice. And there's been some separation anxiety recently. Not quite sure how to begin solving that. But he is, right now, as we speak having a breakdown, holding onto her leg and refusing to go out onto the field. And all she said was, so there goes $75 down the drain. <sighs> yep. And that's a phrase that he can use with his therapist when he's older. Yes. Uh, he... be like, all I was was money and disappointment to my parents. So I'm... All right, man. Listen, it... Jack, you got to become a pro soccer player. Sorry. You got to put your vulnerability pants on because... I do? Yes. Ah, yes, I know. We're going to do this. I'm wearing mine. Those will look like a lot like vulnerability shorts. <laughs> see, it's because it's pants where you can see more. <laughs> is that why you wear your booty shorts today? That is why. Everything else was dirty. <laughs> uh, I just like that they say big mama on the butt cheeks. We sometimes get questions from you. We got a question about marriage. Yep. And after we said, oh, shit, it, it was like, <laughs> yeah. And they went, hey, guys, um, what do you do about the long-term disagreements in your marriage? And this, this will touch in, like, 
what are you learning about conflict in marriage? Like, how is that going? But man, it was a very, very good question that was obviously being asked by someone who's been married for a while. And there are some things that don't last very long that are like, hey, you know, maybe in a season you have like a, a routine conflict about how much time you're spending with your friends or uh, whether or not you're going are you on dates. Are trying or... to think of somebody else's problems and not yours or those ones that you've had? I would say ones that are repeated conflicts that are not about like real differences of opinion. Yeah. That, w- that would be one, but the, what would be the real part would be like, we'll have a, a pretty r- routine conflict around not enough time to get to be a couple in love and for M not to get to feel chosen. Mm. But it asserts itself where I'm an extrovert. I like people. I get invited to a lot of stuff. I also... I'm a popular guy. Like, what can you do? I know. But it's like, you know, I like tools. I'm someone who owns an angle grinder. And so I get tapped a lot to come help people fix things, move things. And Emma's like, people only want you. Just jumping into the real territory here. It would be like, okay. As opposed to want her. Is that what you're saying? Yes. People only want your half. But they're actually, because this is a repeated conflict, there are like deep waters there Mm. that actually relate to where I'm designating a second type, which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about... You know, I joked about the phone at the beginning. My wife is like, phones are bad. Everyone knows it. I won't have a smartphone. I don't want a phone at all. Yes. No. And I'll just say, I've blown this one for a long time, which makes it a good example of how to deal with these things. Because... (laughs) That feels like the husband tagline. I know this because I've blown this many times. Oh my gosh. But I have chosen to have a phone. Yeah. I've asked Emily to have a phone. Now she has a phone. She has a ridiculous phone. Yeah. It's literally termed a dumb phone and it's designed to be used as little as possible and it's the size of a credit card. And it's like the, you know, for me, I'm getting into some of the territory here, but like, How that came about was going, listen, we can work through the related issues over time, but for my daily stress, for me to be able to go do the other things we're called to, I need to know that you could call someone Mm -hmm. if something happened. Yeah. And she has accepted that. Now, that's the only thing that phone is used for. Yeah. I feel like you guys are six months away from the landline in the barn. Honestly. I mean, that's how we order our cheese from this Amish family out in Pennsylvania. And I'm not kidding. But yeah, you call the phone in the barn and somebody, if they're nearby, will answer it. Ring, ring. Otherwise, it's meant for ring, you ring. to use when you need to, I don't know. Yeah. Call the family doctor to come by. Uh, I'll zoom out for a second because if I keep talking about their mind, we'll just have to like dive right in and talk about what I do. And that's a problem? Well, this I, is great. I like the sideline on this one so far. I'm the guy behind you on the single file splash mountain ride. Yeah. I just think you're going to get a little bit more water I'm going to give more examples. <laughs> and 
Uh, by the way, let's just give a shout out to our unmarried guys and go. Yes. Does this apply to your long-term triggers? Does this apply to your long-term friendships? Is this a fundamental relational skill? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. And uh, realistically, there are plenty of relationships that trigger conflict for you, whether you are the person who confronts it, runs from it, or freezes in it. It's kind of beside the point. I think there's going to be stuff for you in this because you are not somehow exempt from being cast out of Eden. And if you think that you are, please let me know your secret to how you snuck back in. Uh, yeah. In one part of marriage slash any relationship is identifying around a few things and then discovering over time, oh my gosh, we're radically different. Because what this is about is yeah. otherness meeting to create a new future. Yeah. Uh, it's about otherness. It's about otherness. But, you know, you discover over time. And so what, what do you do if it's, I look around at other marriages and it's funny because I, I know what they are. The guys whose marriages I've been able to watch for a long time, I can be like, yeah, there can be some really big ones on what relationships with family should look like, how kids should be educated. You know the big ones, how finances should be handled, whether or not it's biblical to have retirement accounts, like, but go, listen, in your long-term relationships, but especially and intensely in your marriage, you will run into areas of disagreement that go all the way down to the fundamental parts of your story, to the fundamental parts of how you see the world. Ugh, and, yes. and you negotiate around them, you find coping strategies, but eventually these are the things that are the core work of your marriage. Yeah. So when Susie and I were engaged, we asked Morgan and Sherry to do our premarital, which unfortunately for you guys, and a little bit for us. It's not something they actually do. So I'm giving this an example because, oh man, Sam got it, to do yeah, marital counseling. It was with a one-off and, and they, it was a favor. Yeah, it was, it was really kind of them and not something that they typically offer. And we met a couple of times. One thing in particular stands out in this context. And Morgan, Morgan is just, he and I goes, Sam, conversations about money are never really about money. And issues around sex are never really about sex. And I sort of looked at him with wide eyes and felt like he had just given me the keys to understanding the universe, when in reality, I had no idea what the hell he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just some miles you have to walk. And I've walked all of them here at this long stage of marriage maturity. I so get ready for some just awesome. The door of heaven is beside you. And at the end of this episode, you're going to walk through it like kind of Elijah style without dying. I think I was going to kind of like moonwalk through it like maybe Michael Jackson. Well, <laughs> <laughs> who knows what door he moonwalked I'll, through. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go like Elijah but with better style? Yeah. <laughs> I, hard to beat chariot inflating horses. Lightning chariot and white horses. Thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want a moonwalk chariot <laughs> from the sky? Yeah, personal taste. Okay, here well. we go. So back to you, the planet Earth. <laughs> I remember like early stages. Actually, you know what? From like day one till now, when there is a new conflict, it just feels like whatever the thing is. There's nothing complex about it. What are you talking about? 
we are having a fundamental disagreement about whether we can allocate this money in that direction, or if I actually said I was going to go do this thing with people that I thought I said I did, and now she's mad about time, whatever it is. My inspired and clear thinking statement about her family that she's unwilling to receive in this moment, you know, things that are very innocent and innocuous. (laughs) At first, it feels like it's just that, right? Like it's just We are butting heads because we do not stand shoulder to shoulder about this thing. And therefore, we have a fundamental disagreement that someone's going to have to lose in, right? And so cue every every marital conflict book about reconciliation and seeing things near the person's point of view and fully releasing your own. I had a friend, a roommate in college, post-college, who... Gave pretty good advice saying a good relationship, you're not supposed to just meet the other person in the middle. You're supposed to each meet the other person 100% on their side. So rather than you giving 50 and they only give 25 and you're both kind of mad at each other, go the whole way. I'm like, these are all good things. That's great. What I want to get at here, what you're alluding to is often, not always, sometimes it really is just as simple as it seems, but I would say that's probably the uh, exception rather than the rule. Much like Morgan's saying, the thing isn't the thing. The thing is actually what's going on underneath. And usually what's going on underneath conflict, for me at least, are deeper issues of safety and of self, of worth, of attachment, and of general well-being. I am convinced that I parent from my own well, my own reservoir, and therefore I need to continuously be filling it so that I have something to draw on. Susie is convinced that drawing on our own reserves will burn fast and quick, and we're meant to draw on the reserves of God. Therefore, don't bother filling your own reserves. You come last at the end of the day. So we hit a lot of tension points in regards to just that one scenario. And we'll have a, an hour of quiet time when the kids go down. They're both young, but they've decided naps are for the week. And <laughs> I, that makes me one of the week, but it makes me sad too. I'll go for a 20-minute run and come back and sort of go, you have the other 40 minutes. Like, what do you want to do with that? But it'll trigger conflict because what she wants to do is get the house ready and begin cleaning some things up or prepping for guests that evening. What I want her to do is for her to go for a run and take care of herself, to do things that I, that I would. When we begin to butt heads on that, it's not just, I have a different way and my way is right. You have a different way and your way is right, Susie. There's not like an answer necessarily in that particular, the the example I'm giving. What it's revealing and access to is, again, what I think are the deeper waters below conflict of, am I going to be taken care of? Am I seen? Am I attached? Am I fought for? All of our wounding from our past all of our identity is swirling in those waters underneath, particularly in those relationships that are that close. Yes. This you is know, good. This is helpful. I think, I think people do like this kind of flow. So we're going to do some thoughts on marriage. We're going to talk about then some thoughts on conflict and then some thoughts on these long, what do you do about these long term, like what feel like fundamental? I will do my best not to derail you. That okay. sounds good. That's good. Well, and the reason... I work the way that I do, and that's 
why I... It's the right way. That's why I run into these things in my marriage, man. Oh, okay. It's like... (laughs) I thought that sentence was ending somewhere else. I don't know. uh, You know, Blaine. Blaine likes axioms. Blaine likes first principles. Um, Blaine likes fiery chariots descending from heaven, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I said I wouldn't derail you. Yeah. Uh, I'm on track. I'm on track. I'm on track. And what I want to talk about is like, you know, you have to name these things when um, when you're going to begin talking about marriage, which is like one of the things that I want to say to guys on a regular basis is that life with God is really awesome. Life with God is wonderful. And it's the same kind of thing as to be like, guys, uh, athletes who train a lot and experience a lot of like uh, physical pain because of their profession. They don't hate their life. Yeah. Often they love the thing that they do. It's often true. Even though and, suffering is a part of it. Right. And so I'm like, I can hear the voices in the background. I can hear the books that I've read and the people who I've listened to. What are the voices saying right now, Blade? And they're talking about the things of like, you know, I think all of us have heard, well, marriage is not to make you happy. Yeah. And I'm like, what? I don't even know what where to begin. What question to ask you first? It was, it was, it was a contextual thing. Uh, and it's meant to make you holy. Was yes. the other half of that sentence? But also, I'm pretty sure that people who say that don't believe in theosis or the meaning of holiness being like God. So it's like, what are yeah. you talking about? I actually like the author of that book, but unfortunately, like most ideas, they sort of get chopped and then taken, and people sort of present. That's it like true. That. They get dumbed down. But to go, I think it's like, uh, it's essentially just like marriage is not supposed to be fun or enjoyable. Like those connotations begin. Like marriage is hard, man. People shake their head at you and you get engaged. Uh, and marriage like, is to farming before there was the tractor or the ox. You just <laughs> have a plow. Sweat of <laughs> your brow. And you are going to, I think this is becoming a sexual metaphor all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Work the Work field. Sow the seeds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Backpedal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be toil. Yeah. And there's a, because like when we talk about some of these things of like, I'm just aware they can sound wispy, right? Like yeah. getting to be a witness to and a representative to and a partner like in like, the destiny of a person. Like Mm -hmm. there's a reason that old married couples talking sometimes talking these huge, like these sweeping cinematic terms. Yeah. And it, well, I remember that was one of Dan Allender's pieces is he's like to try and give dignity. Like that's what we do is we are witnesses to each other's lives. And what, what more holy role could you ask for? Yes. And we can, thank you, Morgan, become people who enjoy it. We can learn to love it in the way that I did not love my first counseling session. Mm. And sometimes I still really hate the feeling of exposure and vulnerability and threat that comes from having my shit unpacked. Yeah. But I like it more now because like the athlete who has learned to associate discomfort with victory, right? Before it comes. There's, there's, we can talk about the, neuro, the neuroscience of this, okay? No, sorry. You just sounds like you're talking through three different verbs. <laughs> I see <laughs> your voice. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going up and down. Uh, Are you talking through verbs? I, no, I'm not. Okay. I sorry. need you to go to a different room. I'm okay. not looking at me. 
Go. No, take it. Just say the after. I've learned to like counseling because there is, there's a neurophysical thing in exercise where you can learn to associate the pain of exercise with endorphins before the endorphins come. Really amazing. Oh, weird. And so you can anticipate and enjoy the runner's high before you get the runner's high. Uh, Like, can you do that from the couch? (laughs) Yeah. No, unfortunately, okay. unless you're doing like leg lifts, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. lacing on your running shoes, maybe you can uh, my brain into. Okay. No, it's not. Dang. Um, but it's like you can know that it's good and can enjoy it. And it can be not only discomfort, even the harder processes of bearing within process people of feeling like a mess yourself. These things. Yeah. Don't have to be, are not in their nature bad. Right. I think of God being the great physician. I don't know a person. I've never heard yet someone go, I have a surgery coming up. Whoop, whoop. whoop. I have this long recovery. <clears throat> Isn't this awesome? No one sucks like that. Nobody actually wants that. But we want the health on the other side, we want the life that the surgery is for, I believed going into marriage that both Susie and I were, uh, were, we were pretty put together, you know? I actually feel like there's a thing that young men say when they've, when they've gotten engaged and they kind of mutter it with a little bit of like astonishment and like they've won the lottery, which I think is a great place of euphoria to be when you're engaged. But the sentence goes like this. She's good. Like, uh. like She's, she's, she's put together, man. And by the way, so am I. (laughs) Which is also what that connotates, right? Like I've lucked out because she's not a mess. Thank God, because I deserve someone who's not a mess because therefore I'm also not a mess. And you sort of look at it. I said it. I think everybody I know has said it. If I was in that level of confidence with them and yet you got to look at it and go like, oh, just give it a little bit and you'll learn humbly that you are and they are needing the physician yeah and that (laughs) and that that will be a good thing when it happens right and that your in-seasonness is okay it's not like god and everyone else is just bearing with you in a kind of condescending way it's that no that's awesome you're doing great and there is more life to be had once you learn more about your own heart right but that might be a little bit down the line yeah so while we leave this topic, Sam, by the way, uh, what's your working explanation of what marriage is for? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a working definition of what marriage is for. I think not everyone is called to marriage. And I think that if you are one of those people like me who <laughs> was going to hit marriage because you were staring straight at it, like they tell you when, when you're learning how to ride a motorcycle, you're going to hit what you're looking at. I was looking at it like a wall, man, (laughs) going 60. It is the space of greatest intimacy and greatest opportunity to be known and to grow through some of the most difficult and some of the most beautiful chapters in my life. Woof. I hit that wall pretty hard. That's a a pretty... It is a good picture and a good thing that we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, But it's the kind of thing to take it, you know, to your sports piece again. 
I know that there is more suffering ahead in my life. And I know that I want to walk through it with Susie. It gives it a dignity and it gives it that witness and it gives it that camaraderie to share that suffering with someone else and that to that degree. And if that's all it was, it would be worthwhile. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, important aside, by the way, as we move into uh, conflict and long-term stuff. Conflict and long-term stuff. Doesn't it just feel like other people have easier marriages than you? No. Uh, yeah, me neither. So next topic. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I'll look at my friend's marriages and go like, I could deal with your wife's stuff with like 10% of my energy. Oh, man. Like, that's your wife issue? I would love that issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. It does feel like um, the things that you have conflict about are the things that, like, you're going to have deep triggering issues around. You're not noticing the things that would be conflict for somebody else because it's not an issue for you. The thing that drives me crazy about other people's marriages, don't even bother them. Yes. I look at them like, you do this, you do this thing and you're so focused on this piece and you guys love it. It's like your thing. But for me, it would be like reason to burn the house to the ground. So, yeah. I mean, you might look at them and go, man, the thing that is your big problem, I wouldn't have an issue with. It's like, yeah, it's because you don't in your <laughs> current marriage. I just want to go like, uh, guys, it's good to be, it's good to be a student here. It's good to be <laughs> learning. You didn't mess up or miss the class on how to do these things. We're still taking the class. Yeah, we're in the class right now. I'm in the class last night. Uh, Seems to go until, <laughs> until you die. And then some. Yeah. With an addendum that it gets better with age. <laughs> the reason I want to go to conflict next is because the long-term disagreements uh, will not usually be addressed in conversations about long-term disagreements. They usually express themselves in lots of little surface-level conflicts. Yay! Um, They're symptoms. Yeah. Like, they'll express themselves as lots of symptoms. Yeah. And so to get there, I just felt like it would be a disservice to go like, hey, guys, uh, I'm going to just point at the pothole that I step in most often so that you can know it's there and you can get better at the skill that is engaging a conflict, mm. it will actually derail you less mm -hmm. over decades. And so you will get to the place where you find yourself having conversations about the, the real thing. Mm. And here's how to avoid and handle conflict perfectly. Oh my gosh. Go on then, Blaine. Still looking for that podcast episode. Why won't Brene Brown tell me how? It's probably good. Come on, Brene, if anyone knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, okay. You know how like less is more in these? Is it? Uh, in, in conflicts or in podcasts? Less is more in terms of like telling your friends like a few pieces that yes, maybe will be helpful. because then it seems like you have more to offer when really that's all you had. <laughs> I don't know. No, because there's a lot of things I don't want to say. And oh, most it's because it you actually help. have a lot of things. All right. Yeah, me too. And to be like, <laughs> do you know why I have a lot of things to say about Messing up conflict, Sam? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because you've read a lot of books. Uh, exactly. And I impersonally... Definitely never died. I watched human experience. Um, Good and, thing you're wearing those vulnerability booty shorts. Yeah. Um, my, my first one would actually be like, guys, 
there are stages of emotion and experience. And like one thing that I thought that can be helpful is to be like, when you're dealing with a symptom of an underlying issue and all of a sudden you're having a thing, I would say that my mistakes kind of boil down to two things. Mm -hmm. And one is like trying to deal with a thing too early. Yeah. And like basically not stopping at my first opportunity, not stopping as soon as I realize I'm trying to be safe apart from God here, or I'm trying to get love apart from unconditional love here or something. And Which is already de- a couple of layers deeper than being right. You know, yeah. Some people would start there and then you have learned over time. But that what right is a surrogate for you. Yeah. That being right is actually these other things. Being right is being safe apart from God. Being right is finding love. Being right is safety and connection. And it's very odd, right? How you're like, this is, this is the two of us. But when you admit that you're wrong, you are loving me better. Uh, yeah. You be closer. <laughs> right. Yeah. When people ask Em and I about our conflict, I'm like, I don't think anyone who didn't know us well would realize that we were having a conflict just because it looks different. She's more of a move away. I'm more of a move towards. So it tends like <laughs> it tends to look like <laughs> a game of tag. Very quiet. Yeah. Like yep. long sentences. Like people are like, but you're not having an argument. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I just want up. you to know I'm blowing it as bad as a person who's having an argument, okay? Hmm. Um, I did this last night where I was trying to like process a thing out with sort of the quotes on and like mm-hmm. I should have taken a walk because yeah. I was still really agitated about something. And Em was really awesome last night. She was ready to like bear with and go like, what are you talking about? And you know, in the middle of moving, there's a lot of stress and a lot of stuff gets flushed and there's a lot of money on the table and decisions to be made. And so it's like a great opportunity for all this stuff to come up. And I was like, I was feeling, you know, still high heart rate, heat in my shoulders, like having a hard time, like focusing and in a way that made sense, describing my emotions and be like, stage one, Blaine, listen, man, I got to tell you, you, you do need to learn when to take a walk or when to go to bed or when like to go. Thanks, M. Like, cause in this case, she's really kind of waiting on me and be like, I can't have this conversation mm-hmm. right now yeah. because I'm still in the middle of the experience. Yes. I first need to get out of the experience. Yeah. Finish the finish like the uh, and then and then maybe I can have a conversation, even if it's an intense conversation. Yeah. That's good. Let's just let's just begin breaking it out like a bunch of Legos. Because it feels like we have sort of uh conflict is this tower. And let's say it's just you that is experiencing the conflict, and somehow your partner is in a really healthy place and they're not getting pulled into it at all. Which uh Yay, you found that like 0.5% of the time. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> it Sometimes it happens. It's great. Um, I don't ever seem to be that person, <laughs> but maybe sometimes it's Susie. You are experiencing, and I just begin t- taking some of these Legos and like isolating them. Like you are experiencing your way that you have learned to defend yourself against threat. And the threat is probably something along the lines of, you are not seen, you are not safe, you are not chosen, you are not attached, you are not part of this. 
even though it's going to not feel that deep at first, it's going to be something a little bit higher, like I was blown off or I can't believe you said X or I thought that we were going to do this. It doesn't matter what the, like, the thing is because you're probably experiencing something deeper. And what's manifesting is the way that you've learned to best defend yourself. So in a lot of ways, your brain is offline and you were just a series of reactions. What's your best way to defend yourself, Sam? Um, I have touched on this a lot recently, but anger was my piece. It was like a violent move towards. It wasn't quite a move against because I cared too much about like the reattachment and being well for it to be a move against and not even truly violent. It was just high energy. So I've never actually been violent in anger. So it's a high energy moving that wants to experience reconciliation very quickly. Don't like conflict and would end up like following Susie through the house being like, no, talk to me. No, talk to me. Like we need to work this through. And she's like, my brain's offline. I can't even, I can't even put two words together. I'm like, well, then let me put the words together for you. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm making, am I making this better for you, Susie? So that would be my thing. Underneath the, the actual catalyst, the thing that caused the, the conflict is that learned way of self-protection. And underneath that learned way of self-protection, another like Lego brick you could just isolate is all of your story, all of your wounding and past and the ways that you had to learn that to defend yourself. And there's a degree to which it's been successful. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep using it. It may not be successful in the long term. It may not be successful in actually giving you what you want in terms of love and attachment and health. But there are some ways in which it's worked. Otherwise, you wouldn't continue to use it. And another Lego beneath that, just the way that your brain and your body work, depending on what's happened, if, if it's similar enough to put you back into a past memory, a past wound, a past moment, you may very well be upwards of 80 to 95% back in that moment. Your brain, your body may be experiencing a lot of those same things. So what you think is, oh, I thought we had this plan. She thought we had something else. We had a big miss, but I'm really, really mad about this and trying to come to my own defense. It's not about that at all. It's like back to Morgan's. It's not about, it's not about the sex. It's actually about the fact that you are remembering a moment when you were really young and you, were, you got blown off by close friends or by family or by something and you were, the message got in, like you were on your own forever and you're experiencing it anew now. At, in a small way, what you think it's about yes. is the thing, but it ain't about the thing. Yes. Which is why, fortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> long-term transformation is the only effective conflict strategy. And there right. are conflict tactics, like you can learn skills of dealing with trauma. You can learn breathing, like you can learn body posture. That's all fine. Yeah. None of it's going to work. Yes. Um, and you can learn, lay down your right to be right, but to go like, but until that takes place on the level of your nature, mm. by the address of God, it's not going to work. Um, and not, not to say it can't be like stopgap solutions, like tourniquets, stop bleeding. Yeah. They're super helpful. You cannot live with a tourniquet on. You die with a tourniquet on. Right. Well, not you, but the limb. Uh, <laughs> and if you're tourniqueting yourself, then. <laughs> yeah, you're, I don't <laughs> Are you the uh, arm in this metaphor? Yeah. Uh, but it's like teaching kids to count to 10. Right? Yeah, exactly. Before you respond. 
that's a really helpful tool to just slow down. But it doesn't actually solve it doesn't, or heal the underlying issue. Learning to words. name and describe emotions yeah. and link them to causes, that is a huge skill. That's not easy, by the way, is to be like... Um, Go watch Inside Out again. And- I'm feeling angry yeah. because I'm feeling afraid Yes, that... I've, I think I've probably used this as an example, but in a, in a friendship, I had like <laughs> about a year apart, I had one time that I like, um, I, I had been hurt by a friend and I started the conversation in terms of right and wrong, like, Ooh. and it did not go well. And what I brought was like, you did this. Mm. And I, and it did tell me like, uh, and it made me feel unsafe because you did this thing. And the conversation was just veering towards like, whether it had been right or wrong. Yes. And I and knew we touched on this before. Yeah. Like when you admit you're wrong, that's a, there's something in you that knows I am being ejected from relationship and therefore I am going to die. Because yes. Because I will be on my own in the woods against the <laughs> bears and starvation. Yes, against all of the bears. Uh, but to go a year later, you know, and in the process of learning good emotional skills, I was able to be like, hey man, when you sent that text, and I didn't respond right away. I felt so mad. We didn't have a conversation for three days. It was great. It like, has cooled off. There's so a lot of counting to 10 in there. Didn't respond in anger and did some processing. But then when we had the conversation, it wasn't like, that made me mad. What do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> yes. I was calling them to account yes. to be like, you were obviously wrong. Because if they don't see themselves as wrong, then I have to prove it to them. Yes. But nothing like being proven that you're in the wrong. The conversation feel drawn to the other person went like this. That text made me feel mad mm. because I felt hurt because I put a lot of weight on your words, and that felt very out of context and last minute. Mm. Can you tell me what you were thinking? And I can't tell you. Like, it's one of my favorite conversations with this person to date. Because it like got on a level of like... Um, this wasn't us, right? No, it was not. Okay, because we never have any content. Nope, we'd never do. Nope. And never had certainly... to take a hiatus from a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that laugh. But it went like, you know, go, th- those are emotional skills. Yes. And, and it requires a lot of self-awareness. I'd say that there's lots of categories where... Susie and I have moved to that stage of conflict where you can slow down and go, I'm feeling angry, but it's not really because of the thing you did. It's because of something else in my story that's being worked on. And that is like, oh my gosh, what a diffuser of the, the catalyst itself. Yes. Uh, and a couple others like, you know, waiting the right amount of time, that's emotional skill. Knowing the difference between uh, venting and processing and going, you, you need one person in your life, at least, but one person to whom you can vent because that's like, that's like an exhaust need mm-hmm. and to be able to describe, and I will tell like the people I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm really frustrated right now. I might, t- I like, I, I'm going to roll some of this back later. Mm-hmm. I don't have these thoughts finished, but I'm so, I just need to talk. Yes. And, and they aren't listening for inconsistencies in my thinking. Yeah. Because um, I know that I'm wrong when I'm venting. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, and be like, and know when you need to vent. And then after venting, knowing how to like have someone have a conversation with you about like, well, I, I noticed a couple of things. Um, yeah. 
And this seems to really touch on uh, your fear that your desires don't matter. And I think that that's probably the real issue here and be like, ooh, that hurts. I think that's right. Um, As an aside on the venting thing, um, this person needs to be skilled in being able to not carry things. And Susie and I actually had a rule that we wouldn't vent about family while we were dating to each other because family has a way of just carrying things on your behalf and vice versa that like the things that Susie and I are able to talk about when it comes to family now versus when we were dating is like night and day. And yeah. Oh my God. There's a level of like, just walk with some wisdom in the people that you're going to do that with because they might hold an offense on your behalf that you don't actually want them to hold on to. Right. Or they might not have like, this isn't your young buddies. This is an older person, you know, best case scenario, a therapist. Or, like, someone with a lot of maturity, yeah, who cannot hold offenses, who, like, doesn't feel the urge to gossip. Hmm. This venting person I'm talking yeah, about. a pretty remarkable person. Can be your journal. We could have a whole podcast on what venting is, because it's like, you're not venting to double down on your opinions. That's a thing that you can do when you vent, yeah. is you can tell yourself a story and believe it more. That's not helpful. Yeah. There's a big range of tactics. Yeah. We are actually going to leave it, sorry guys, and dive down to, in our last 10 minutes here, 5, 10 minutes, what about how do you engage over time the really entrenched disagreements in your marriage? Go to counseling. <laughs> I mean, right, look around at the marriages that are doing well and ask, what do they have in common? And I, I would say... As individuals, they have done some serious work on understanding their story and their wounding and their pain and worked towards healing. And as a couple, they have done some serious work towards healing and understanding their wounding. And then the opposite's also true. I could, there's several marriages that are coming to mind. I wish it wasn't that easy, but it feels like let's all just do a little thought exercise. Think, if you can, of an unhealthy marriage in your world. Did that take you longer than half a second? I hope so. But it, it didn't take me that long. And to go, what is it about it that makes it so unhealthy? Oh, there is a defiant obstinance to ignore and not address deep issues that are manifesting themselves as conflict. Conflict is just symptoms at this point. There is something boiling deep below the surface and you're running around trying to pop the bubbles. Yeah. Have at it. <laughs> it's so, oh, it's so good, man. And kind of crazy to go. So how do you deal with long-term disagreements in marriage and go like, there is no solution besides deep work. Sorry. And if one of you like. And it's it, not it, rare that you have it either. Right? It's right. It's a, you do it. That's okay. And you go. Yeah, but what if my spouse be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're into like the real issues of bearing with people in process of living before the return of Jesus mm -hmm. and go like, how do you suffer long term? How do you forgive long term? How do you release bitterness? Like when it's like if someone were to ask me, you know, my wife really wants to homeschool. I really don't. Or my wife really, really wants more kids. I really don't. What can we do? And I'd be like, well, there's no solution that's not like deep work that takes time besides 
get with a therapist for a season. Uh, do some things to know what the issues are. Yeah. Uh, in the short term, sure, tactics, but, you know, like, um, I'll use mine and what M has had to do. Because I think <laughs> the only piece that I wrote down here is to go like, guys, the long-term things that are really entrenched in your spouse really hurt. Mm. And I'm like, as I'm engaging some of the things in my heart that have done M the most harm, it's a very uncomfortable process because I'm like, this has made your life really bad because this is where I've been unable to change or unable to see the world differently or I'm most motivated by fear and wounding, not most motivated by love. And to be like, guys, it hurts. And so learning the steps of forgiveness here, because, you know, I'm going to share mine in a second. Obviously, I'm not going to share M's, but like, but what I have to work through is like, get a journal, name the pain, name the offenses, uh, go and I receive, I count the covering of Jesus for this. Literally cross it out, scribble it out, burn the page. I received the blood of Jesus to cleanse my life just of the effect of this. Mm -hmm. And then I ask you, Jesus, to bring me the blank that I need, like the, uh, the connection, the resourcing, the love, the comfort, the like, you must learn to do this because this stuff hurts. Mm -hmm. So in every marriage, there's going to probably be fights about the budget. I'm going to talk about me here. <laughs> no, you needed to change the way you said it. Uh, like all of a sudden switch into teaching. Blade blade. I know. In every in every marriage, it's going to be conflicts about the budget. In my marriage, I'm the one who brings the budget conflict because I'm the one who thinks that the budget is a very important thing. Yeah. And M's the one who does not. <laughs> like, do I need to tell you that we're a mixed bag? Um, <laughs> but I would go, in our marriage, I am the one who is intensely motivated by scarcity. Hmm. And, like, when I began to realize that, the first thing that I had to tell M was I had to release her to go like, M, most of the time that you've tried to buy me a birthday present, I have all but ordered you to not and like begged you to not and stolen a lot of joy from you. But we had the money or we could figure it out or, you know, we could like. Also receiving gifts as one of your higher love languages. Yeah. So and so just like, like last year when I began to realize oh my gosh, it really is like a fear in me that I don't know how to deal with. The first thing I did was like formally free M where I was like, babe, I trust your walk with God. I trust your discernment. For our house, for our kids, buy what you think we need to buy because I, I'm only going to respond to it in fear and <laughs> I need to understand what the issues are. Yeah. I want to go down the rabbit hole of go like, why is this all the way down? Yeah. Like, there are a few things that are all the way down in me and like fear about resources, fear about the futility of work. That's one of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me give you one story that would help explain why having a fight about this would not work at all. So in elementary school, we had a ticket reward system. At home? No, when I was still at the uh, charter school. Oh, okay. And it was like, if you know, prizes for tests, prizes for other things. Well, I love acquisition. I love rewards. Uh, and by the end of like third grade, 
I had amassed, and, you know, things like this where it's like, you know, one day the teacher's like, hey, for every line you can remember out of MLK's I Have a Dream speech, you get a ticket. Well, I went home. I memorized the entire thing. I came back and I like, you know, got an incredible haul and I would just do that again and again. And over the year, there would be opportunities to cash these in. Right. Well, there was one opportunity to cash them in. Oh, just one? One. It was at the end of the year. Oh. So at the end of the year, the average number is, you know, my peers have like 10 to 20. I had like 250. Mm -hmm. And we had to draw rulers, had a number on them for like who gets access to the toy chest, to the reward chest. One order, yep. So guess what number I drew? Last. Yeah. So, and then guess what was left in the chest when it was my turn? Basically nothing. Nothing. So I just had to hand over, it was a Ziploc bag that was just like packed with like all of this work and it just didn't mean anything. And so when it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do the work, you like save, get ready. And then when the moment of reward comes, it's taken away from you and everyone rejoices. Because my peers were like, it's no fair. You can't, you have the most. And I'm like, you had every opportunity that I had to get those. And right, you see all those layers and to go, right. all right, Jesus, I need you to address this. But I need you to heal me. Like come into this memory of futility, come into the sight of like not being rewarded of like, it just doesn't matter. Address me here. Like do what you do. You are able to come into this memory. Mm-hmm. You're able to speak to this place. Mm-hmm. You're able to restore reward. And to go, holy crap, you realize that when we're at the entrance to the state park and I don't want to go in because, you know, it's a special weekend and it's $50, not $10. Like, Em's not having a conversation with her husband. She's having a conversation with that eight-year-old who's like, it doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't amount to anything. So, like, mm-hmm. they're going to take it, and then I'll be left with nothing. Like, I'll spend, and there will be no reward. And that's not a place against which an argument can be won. This is not a made-up story, by the way. This is a real story. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so what do, I, what do we do at the entrance to the state park? And it's like, I'm like, well, at this point, I know that money is very triggering for me. And I'll be like, Jesus? Simply ask you to cover this place right now Mm -hmm. and help me to do this because I want the love of God to be the thing that influences the environment of my family, not my brokenness. So help. I'm kind of hamstrung right now. Mm -hmm. And I have both stories. I have stories where it fails, face plants, and stories where it's like God shows up and we're good and we go in. Uh, and And the more that Emily knows your story and knows what's going on, the better she can partner with you. And that story at the gate could end with you paying the money and going in or you not paying the money and going somewhere else. And in both cases, there's a way where you win and you lose. Yes. And it depends on what's going on beneath the surface. What is going on with God? What are you inviting him into? What's his invitation back to you? And what's Emily's partnership in that moment? There's ways where you spend that money and it does more. It doubles down on the pain. Yeah. And there's ways where you don't spend that money and it doubles down on the pain. Oh, there's mo- like you talk about being hamstrung. It is not easy to navigate those deeper waters. Something for Susie and I recently, we've been having a good amount of what feel like symptomatic conflict. We're like, oh, we're just not seeing eye to eye. We we keep bumping into areas where we feel like we've 
overstep the other person in a way that is causing pain. And I came into work one day and I'm like, I need to understand this. And so this might be an exercise that's helpful for some of you right now. I I wrote down Susie's name on one side of, of the paper, my name on the other. And then I tried to come up with what I feel like the the operating sentences for each of us right now. Whoa. And for Susie, I came up with get it right. And for me, I came up with leave me alone. And then I wrote beneath each of us the categories that we seem to be caring a lot about and the subcategories within that. So it was like finances or family or visits or triathlon. And I just started like teasing that out and going, it helped within the categories, in those subcategories, were the symptoms. And it was this, this exercise for me of gaining a little bit of distance and once again, trying to see the deeper waters of what's going on in the moment, in the season for us, so that I could actually go, okay, we're butting heads here on this self-care thing. It's a big issue for me. And my answer seems to be, leave me alone. But I can see where Susie's get it right, and she's overemphasizing care of the kids in the home means that she gets left outside in the rain, and she's doing it to herself, because that's a category where she can take that sacrifice. And it was a really helpful exercise for me to go home then and begin operating with a little bit more of the reminder of the deeper waters and those deeper currents that need some healing and some work in partnership rather than chasing those, those surface bubbles. Whoa. So a lot here in this episode, a lot in the conflict. And then you can see why we began it with like, hey, you guys, you don't have to be married for this to be manifesting <laughs> itself because some of your examples were the friends. And so I, I think there's probably more here, but thanks for wearing your vulnerability booty shorts today, Blaine. Uh, well, everything else is dirty, like I said. Yeah, it is picturing the guys I know, my friends who listen going, <laughs> what do I want to tell you at the end of an episode that touches on a lot of very deep waters? The thing is, is like, it's going to be okay. There's joy to be had in the meantime. It will take time and go for it. God will not let you down. 